Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com and you're listening to Democracy and Markets 101. And the purpose of this video is just one, explain democracy, explain markets, explain sort of the, the differences between the two and how oftentimes a lot of market-based situations are democratic and how a lot of democratic situations can be seen as markets, but there are distinctions between what is one, what is the other. So let's, and definitions matter. So at the end of the day, whenever you're having a conversation with someone, always make sure you know what the definitions that someone is using for something, okay? Because a lot of people use the word market, but mean different things. A lot of people use the word democracy and just mean different things, or they don't mean anything at all. They just use it because it sounds good. It makes you kind of want to agree with them. So an important thing to have very successful uh, conversations, and when I say successful, it doesn't mean you convince the other side that they're they're wrong or convince them that you're right it just means that you have a better understanding of both sides um which may influence you in one way or the other but to have a successful conversation where both of you understand where each other are coming from you need to kind of sit down and clarify how are you guys using terms or you'll just end up with more confusion when everything and frustration when everything is said and done so when i use markets basically i'm saying i imagine a world where people are free to, or situations where people are allowed to exchange value for each other. So uh, freely with who they want, when they want, how they want. That's a market. Okay, so a market for healthcare would be a situation where people can exchange value for healthcare services when they want, how they want, with who they want. And this allows their... And so that you can elaborate by saying it's a competitive market, meaning there's lots of people you can choose from or whatnot. But the idea is that there's exchanges of value. You're allowing an exchange of value. That's market. Okay, a voluntary exchange of value. Democracy is more about participation. Okay, so whenever I hear the term democracy, I'm thinking more about can everyone participate? Does everyone have a say? A lot of people will just say democracy just means voting, okay? The idea is that you can vote, but you can vote in a bunch of different ways, and that way people's individual vote differently. But the idea is that generally, in most voting methods, you allow everyone to participate, and that's what makes it democratic. So a democratic decision is a decision that says, hey, let's get everybody to chime in on this individual decision. Okay, well, market decision-making allows every individual decision to be made by the people involved with that decision. So when I buy health insurance, that's between me and the health insurance company. That's a market decision. So it's, it's a one-to-one provider to consumer. To make it democratic, a democratic decision would be, okay, let's all vote on whether we're all going to buy from this health insurance company. Um, maybe as you're allowing everyone to participate in a decision that affects everyone. Okay? Um, cool. Now, markets can be democratic in aggregate in a sense because basically every decision in aggregate ends up making decisions for everybody. Okay? So the fact that a lot of people are buying bought Samsung phone or bought Android phones and iPhones, but very few people bought Windows phones, smartphones, kind of made a decision for all smart Windows users that eventually they were going to have to upgrade to either an, I, an iPhone or an Android phone because they stopped manufacturing Windows phones. So in a sense, it does affect other people, but everyone had the opportunity to make their say. You made your vote, in a sense, through purchasing the phone of your preference. 
And then over time, resource constraints and whatnot had, a, had effects that affected everybody. Okay? So it's so markets are democratic, and the cool thing is it allows you to have the influence you want in the things that are most important to you. So you have so much money, okay, that you've earned or were given or came across however. But let's say you don't really care which smartphone wins. You don't even want a smartphone. Well, then you don't have to waste your resources in the in the fight for that decision. You can go spend that money on which movie you think should should do well at the box offices and which is going to influence what kind of movies get influenced later on. So the idea is that you can necessarily your influence is weighted by what your values or what your values are, okay? Because it's based on uh, your resources and your resources are accumulated based also on your influence. So basically, the more skilled you are, the more income you'll have, um, the the more knowledgeable you are, the more income you could possibly have. Does it always? And again, just because you're smart doesn't mean you get a high income, and just because you know how to do something cool doesn't mean you get a high income. If the skill you have is a skill that's influential, meaning it's in demand. If the knowledge you have is the knowledge that's in demand, that's necessary for to create value for society you will amass more resources, which gives you more say. So it kind of rewards people for creating value to society because you're getting the knowledge that society needs. You're getting the skills that society needs. You're doing the things that, you know, nobody else is willing to do. That's why you're getting paid more or nobody else can do. So you're going to earn more wealth or you're taking risks that other people aren't willing to take and they're paying off. You're going to accumulate more wealth, which then gives you more influence. So you have this dynamic of, one, incentivizing people to do the things that society needs to progress. Again, incentivizing people to learn things that other people may not want to learn. To take on, learn skills that other people think may be too hard to learn. To take risks that other people don't want to take. You get rewarded for that. And then basically for contributing in that way, you have more say in what movies are successful, what phones get produced and uh, which institutions succeed and fail by contributing to charities uh, and other institutions of influence okay so it's it's democratic in the sense that everyone can participate but unlike most the way most people think of democracy it's not an egalitarian participation okay not everyone gets to participate equally and but the, the benefit is that an equal participation creates incentives for good on both sides, okay? Uh, basically, though, basically, you get rewarded for what you produce to society. Cool. Now, in democracy, the way most people think about it, where it's just basically one person equals one vote, you still don't necessarily, it's still not necessarily egalitarian, because what happens is that then who gets rewarded is not necessarily the person who created the most value, but whoever who has the most influence, which Sometimes there's a relationship to that. Sometimes you don't you don't get influence because, you know, people just decide to like you. But there's two ways to gain influence by actually creating value to society. So you do favors for people, you help people, you've done great things, you're going to have influence. You're going to be more well-known and people are going to listen to you when you tell them, "Hey, let's vote this way or that way." But also if you just promise people stuff, uh, which oftentimes happens with political figures, where you just promise people things that you can't deliver, you can generate a whole lot of influence. Or if you just create problems in the minds of people, you can also create influence. Because then you become the person who alerted them to this imaginary problem, whatever it is. Okay, But you see, by framing information that is, exists, or framing relationships between things, and basically creating... Um, a way of looking at a situation that didn't exist prior 
you can create influence. Okay, but there isn't a way to distinguish between that when someone just votes. Okay, so for example, in markets, if if I produce value, there's a distinguishing between that because I want to have more resources on the other end. So my influence will grow with the value that I produce. But if I just make people scared, uh, I might be able to convince them to make money, but a lot of people won't. A lot of people will just be like, uh, they just won't grow their influence. They won't necessarily grow their resources. They may... I can think of a few figures that, that could do that in both both realms, but it's a lot rare. More rare so because giving up resources is something that people take a little bit more weight on than just raising their hand. So they're less willing to give it to somebody who's just scaring them for the sake of scaring them. Uh, more to someone who's giving them something, getting something in return. Okay, so it's harder to be that person who gains influence by just talking a lot of BS. So that's the thing about politics. So it's not one person gets one vote. Yes, everyone may have one vote, but the person who has control is not necessarily you, but the person who has influence over you, the people who influence the way you vote. Because not everybody has all the information on everything. In markets, you only participate in the decisions you have information about. You know what phone you need. You know which what your health care needs are. So in that case, you can effectively participate in each decision as a principle. While in politics... In sort of political democratic decision making, let's say you're voting for president. Well, the president's going to have influence over several issues, education policy, monetary policy, fiscal policy, uh, you know, foreign policy, all these different policy areas. And you may just only one of those areas may be a priority for you. And you're going to end up choosing somebody based on what you what, what someone else oftentimes tells you to perceive your options are. And your options will be very limited, which will already have been filtered out by other folks who are in positions of influence to make sure that those people are there. So you have limited decisions, and basically that decision is going to affect more things than the things that you necessarily care about, resulting in a lot of sort of very schizophrenic results. Because we're not necessarily voting issue per issue. And even if you did do that, let's say you voted on one specific action of education policy, um, if everyone voted on every policy act and every decision in every way... Um, at the end of the day, many of those decisions might, might, might not be decisions you care about passionately, but your influence is going to be equally weighted to somebody else who may have a much more vested interest or a lot more to lose or gain from that decision. Okay? And this creates all sorts of really sort of less decisions that less weigh what's going on in the world or what the society needs. It's, just, it's more society's not getting what it needs because of people's natural decisions pursuing what they need and want but instead of getting what people perceive is possible to what they want in a sense and and it becomes so basically the choices of allocating resources becomes more more skewed towards larger risks because you're thinking you're it's abstractly somebody else's money it's abstractly somebody else's responsibility uh etc that's sort of the problem with sort of too many decisions. It doesn't mean there shouldn't be any decision in any institution decided in a democratic method. Okay, because there are reasons you do this. Um, one benefits of democratic decision making is buy-in. So the fact that everyone, even if you don't get the decision that you want, the fact that you had a vote in it in some manner that you explicitly knew you had can help you accept the result. Okay, so for example, if you're part of a club and you think X should be leader, everybody else thought Y, but you had a vote for it. You chose to be part of that club. 
but the fact that you guys had a vote was probably going to make you more willing to accept the final result than if there wasn't. But the only resources that leader is commanding are the resources that everyone voluntarily contributed to that organization, etc. It becomes a lot more troubling when you're talking about organizations where you don't necessarily have a choice of participating in resources. You don't have a choice of, of giving up. And nor do you have much of a choice on whether they increase the amount of resources they take from you um, and, the, and all of its other aspects. So that sort of disconnection from reality that can happen, especially when you start voting in large scales, can, can oftentimes lead to very schizophrenic governance where people are voting for one thing, but the results they get is another because the person they voted in may have said they feel this way about one thing, but their priority was really something else. Um, so that ends up being the action that's taking. So markets allow you to make very specific, more surgical decisions more directly, and you're rewarded for what you bring to society and your influence that allows you to have influence in the areas that you care about. Democracy gives you a little bit of influence on everything, but without the knowledge and everything all the time, oftentimes it doesn't necessarily always result in the best decisions. Um, and since there is no resource cost, you have a less of a vested interest in really getting the information uh, or without an explicit direct resource cost, you have a less incentive to really kind of do gather the information uh, to make an informed decision versus working on the areas where you actually have resource constraints, you know, making sure your bills get paid and making sure your kids are taken care of on a day to day basis versus larger decisions that may indirectly affect you down the road abstractly in a hard to measure way. Uh, that may not be immediate or uh, immediate and tangible. So I kind of went on a grander path or discussion there. But again, the idea is that you can look at democracy as a market in a sense where you're exchanging your vote, your influence in exchange for a good control over a power over an institution or a decision. Um but it's not the same as when you have mon- more money-based, principle-based markets. Okay, so de- and when you can say markets are democratic in the sense that everyone gets to participate. But it's not necessarily egalitarian in the sense that everyone has the same equal influence over every single decision that is made. So you can mince words, but I'd rather have people make decisions in a more money-based market method versus a having all so too many aspects of our lives being handed down by sort of raise your hand n- no direct cost equal influence low information democratic methods um so yeah hopefully you found this interesting and help you think through and again does that mean there should be no markets or no democracy not necessarily. There's different situations in which all these may or may not or should or shouldn't be applied. The point is to understand their dynamics and their flaws so that way you can better understand why they behave the way they do in different situations. And I hopefully you walk away with a better thinking on that. So my name is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com. If you enjoy what I have to say, head over to donate.alexmerced.com and um, subscribe to the podcast, like the Facebook page, like subscribe to the YouTube channel, and I'll talk to you guys soon.